0: I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight podcast. I'm Chip Freud, and today I'm joined by Beth Barger. Beth's painting celebrates everyday wonders through her contemporary Impressionist style. She strives to connect others with the beauty that surrounds them. Beth was recently awarded honorable mention in the Fine Arts League of Cary's annual exhibition. Beth, welcome to the show.
1: Chip, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity.
0: I'm glad to. We've gotten to know each other a little bit uh, through Falk and I just thought this would be a great opportunity to share your work with our audience here. Before we dive into our, our five questions, uh, how about you share something that you're currently working on or maybe a project you just finished with our audience to give them a sense of what you're about
1: okay i'd be happy to um and i actually have a lot of irons in the fire or maybe i should say brushes in the paint but um i am getting ready to wrap up this fine arts league of carrie juried show um getting all the volunteers lined up to package up all that artwork and get it shipped back to their homes across the country. And I'm also preparing to start teaching some of my first painting classes. Um, So my first class will be offered next week, and then I've got a couple more lined up after that. And then between all of that, I'm still trying to maintain my plein air and studio painting practices. So lots going on. Oh, that's
0: exciting. I'll be (laughs) eager to hear how the teaching goes. Thank you. All right. So our first question always starts off with what is your earliest memory of making art of any kind?
1: So my earliest memory dates back to when I was four. And my father was in the Navy. Um, So we were stationed up at Great Lakes, Illinois, where they have very long, very cold winters. Mm. Um, And I just remember that it was a bitterly cold, blustery winter day. Um, My mom at that time had two little kids, and my mom is a former art teacher, Um, but she had two little kids that were trapped inside the house that she needed to keep occupied. So she pulled out a stack of construction paper and started making three-dimensional flowers out of this construction paper and taught us how to make them. And so my brother and I made this huge stack of 3D flowers, and then we we, uh, lined the hallway of the house with these flowers as a way to anticipate the arrival of spring. And I just remember being so amazed that you could take this flat piece of paper and turn it into a work of art and and that really that memory has lasted with me for more years than I care to admit but it's a really great memory
0: oh what a wonderful image you've painted there in, in, verbally I, I love it I'm right there with you in the chilly house <laughs> and making art that was wonderful yeah so uh you are obviously currently a painter What brought you to that medium and why?
1: Well, um, so I already mentioned that my mom is an artist. Um, She was an art teacher before she had kids. Her mom was also an artist with an art degree from Rochester Institute of Technology. So I'm a third generation artist. Um, It's just always been part of my legacy. When I was in high school, like many artists, you're known as the class artist. So did all the posters and stuff like that. And then um, when I went to college, it was really when women were starting to think about having their own careers. And I wanted to invest in a curriculum that I could have a career in. And up until that point, I had really not started painting. Um, I was very interested in graphic design because I could make a living at it if I needed to. So I um, got my graphic design degree from East Carolina University and I practiced graphic design actually for. I think it was 15 years the last 10 years of my graphic design career were spent in the design studio at IBM in Research Triangle Park. But um, during that time, design became less and less important to IBM. And so my career moved more towards a management position, spent some years in management. And then from there, I actually went into human resources. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of very similar problem-solving skills between solving a design problem and solving a human resources problem because they are both subjective ways of problem-solving.
0: Oh, interesting to make yeah. that connection.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the connection. I knew several people who had art degrees that went into human resources. So anyway, um, I ended up... Um, Having the opportunity to retire from that position in 2017, and um, I've been painting full time ever since then. But let me take you back to 2001. So I was a manager, and my mom approached me about possibly attending a oil painting plein air workshop with her in Brittany, France. Ooh. Um, my dad being a Navy guy and already having been around the world, he had no interest in traveling outside of the United States again. And my mom really didn't want to go by herself. So I'm like, sure, I'll go. Had never really picked up a paintbrush because painting just is not part of a graphic design curriculum. Um, had not ever painted, picked up a paintbrush and, um, went with her on this two and a half week workshop and let me just tell you the first couple of paintings were awful they were really terrible i had no idea how to mix colors i had no idea what values were but at least my graphic design education kind of intuitively led me to we really need to simplify here and maybe in some ways it's like uh, the photographer's progression um where you don't start with color photography you start with black and white so that you learn what makes a good composition what are the values and the range of values that make for an interesting result and um, so i just intuitively decided you know maybe i just need to limit my colors to purples only dark Mm -hmm. purples light purples warm purples cool purples and do some paintings like that before i start worrying about dark and light and warm and cool with all of the colors and that really made a huge difference um and within the two and a half weeks i turned out a painting that i'm still pretty proud of and um that just got me hooked
0: well i think you bring up a, a, an interesting technique of minimizing choices I still use that approach if I get creatively stuck. So if I'm just not feeling the mojo, I'll take uh, a camera, you know, with just a 50 millimeter fixed focal length lens. It's even an old manual focus lens. And I'll force myself to go, you know, shoot with just that lens, remove all the other, you know, choices. Mm-hmm. and. I may not get a single image that would even remotely belong in the portfolio, but it gets me over the creative hump because it forces you to think differently, think out of the box and and do something different. So I think that was really wise on your part to say, all right, let's simplify it. Purple was your choice. It's probably a color you really enjoy. <laughs>
1: well i thought i do enjoy purple but i also thought purple would translate well to all the stone historic stone buildings we ah
0: were okay yeah. it, it went with the subject matter you were working Yep. On. okay that yeah. makes that makes even more sense yeah uh, yeah um yeah. but i think that's something that all artists we can we can uh, go back to that and touch that point when we need to
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think um, doing something like that, simplifying or whatever your trick may be, is more important just to keep you practicing every day than to fall into a rut where you're not practicing your photography or picking up the brushes for a few days or a week. And and it, it doesn't take long before you start to get really rusty at it.
0: No, there's definitely a, you know, I'm trying to remember there was a a famous artist I was reading a piece on that they were talking about treating their artwork like any other job. And they reported to the studio every day for X number of hours. And even if only one brush stroke ended up on the canvas, that's what they did.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of your um artists who are really serious about it, that's their approach. Yeah, even if you don't pick up a brush, at least get in the studio where you might be tempted to pick up your brush. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this leads nicely into our our third question is what inspires your art? Where does it come from?
1: So um, I would have to say that my art comes from my heart and my life journey. Um, When I was in my mid twenties, I had a bit of a health scare, um, which made me appreciate that every single day is a gift. And every single day should be celebrated because you never know when that gift is gonna stop giving. And so that translates into so many different things lately my passion has been um, inspired by light and the way that light shows us form the way that it falls across the landscape or the way it falls across a face um, the way light changes the colors that we see the way that light Bounces into shadows and how many colors there are in shadows. So that is a huge inspiration to me. And then nature and legacy are also big inspirations. One of my first big projects was, uh, I called it 10 on 1010. So I live right off of a road called 1010 in Wake County. And I've lived here for close to 30 years now. And that road has changed so much. Mm. Almost all the farmland is gone. And now they are in the process of widening parts of that road and putting subdivisions in. And a new belt line is within a mile of my house. And it's it's just heartbreaking to me to not only lose the farmland, but all of the wildlife that goes with it. And I can't tell you how many nights I haven't been able to sleep worried about the turtles that just can't move fast Mm -hmm. enough to get out of the way. Um, I need to stop because I'm going to start crying. Um, But so that inspired me to do a, a series of paintings to portray and capture many of the scenes along 1010. Uh, some of the tobacco fields. There's a tractor that gets lit up every Christmas time, Um, an old depot in downtown Apex. So um, those kinds of subjects that kind of tug at the heartstrings are also what inspire me.
0: Uh, I I definitely need to check out that that series because I'm just a little bit north of you off a penny. Oh,
1: okay, yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah so uh, i i know that road well uh, yeah and can relate to some of the changes that have been there just a a quick aside because i'm also um, uh, an environmental educator anybody who sees a turtle crossing the road when you stop to help the turtle cross always take it to the side of the road that it was trying to get to because if you put it even if it's just two feet off the Side where it left. If you put it back there, it's gonna to try to cross the road again. So just a little naturist helpers tip there: always send them to the side they were trying to get to.
1: Absolutely, and I'm gonna to add to that: don't put box turtles in water. They're not oh, water. Oh yeah, turtles.
0: no, 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 no. They <laughs> they they like uh, moist leaves and in the woods. And yeah, yeah. Don't 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 put them in the water. Yeah. And if you don't know what a box turtle is, they're the ones with a much more round topped shell. The flat-shelled turtles are the water are she- the water turtles.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, back to art. <laughs> Good discussion, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. So our fourth question is: What advice would you give to an artist starting out?
1: Okay. Well, I have lots of suggestions, but I'll try to keep it to just a few. First of all. I would say that just be patient with yourself and kind to yourself because painting is really a journey and there is an enormously steep learning curve to it. Um, even the masters, uh, we recently lost one of our masters, Richard Schmidt, who was one of the best, most well known painters in the United States. Um, even he, shortly before he died, said he still feels like he has so much more to learn. And he'd already at that point, been painting for 70 years. So don't beat yourself up, just enjoy the journey. Um, that's the first thing I would share. And then I would also say to always work to develop your drawing skills, the best technical painting skills in the world. Won't make up for poor drawing skills. So, drawing is very important. And then, if you are working to, with the intent to try to sell your art, then be prepared to spend about 50% of your time on the marketing of your artwork um, with social media, with your website, maybe do newsletters, but it, it really does take about as much time to market your art artwork as it does to create it
0: and and it may be such that you may go a week that all you're doing is the business side of it you know and then you'll catch up and do your your creative uh production at another time it's it's not evenly divided
1: yeah that's right that's right
0: no i think that's a key Key point and yeah. something I wish that they actually would do better job of teaching in art school is the business side of art. I think it's getting better. The, I've talked to a few recent grads and they're starting to include some of that in the curriculum.
1: That is really encouraging because when I was in college, not a single business class um, for somebody who was pursuing a BFA, and so that left none of us equipped at all to be you know individual graphic designers and have our own business it's just about required that you go work for somebody else at least to get those business skills if nothing else
0: yeah no because um one of the things that uh I, i remind folks is every artist is also a small business yeah and so all of you know when you hear about oh support local support small business well that applies to every artist
1: yep yep you have to maintain your inventory you have to do taxes you have to manage your client Mm -hmm. relationships you have to ship (laughs) yeah yeah it's it is a truly a small business
0: i think those are some some good additions to the uh the collection of advice
1: Well, and Chip, can I circle back to your previous question about inspiration? Because I remembered one thing that I forgot to mention, and that's about the materials that I work in. Hmm. Um, I enjoy oil paints, and I wanted to bring this up because I think there's some confusion about painting mediums. And... um, A lot of people enjoy painting in acrylic, and that is great, but I also think that it is important for people to understand that oil painting isn't necessarily bad for the environment, and acrylic painting isn't necessarily better for the environment so lately there have been some um, new techniques coming out with oil painting where I have just about eliminated mineral spirits and solvents from my studio I Mm. do still use them when I'm out plein air painting because I'm out in open fresh air but Just use walnut oil. I clean my brushes now with walnut oil. And let me tell you, my brushes are in much better condition because they're not in those harsh chemicals. And the air in my house is so much better than it used to be. My studio is in my house. Um, So so there are ways to paint with oils that's not toxic unless you're going to eat them but but any paint uses the same um, minerals and and pigments Mm -hmm. it's just the binders that differ Mm -hmm. um so i i just thought since we talked a little bit about the environment i got that up too oh
0: that's that's a great point um and even aside from i'll call it the environmental side it sounds like there's a a personal benefit of of you know reducing the solvents in your life and just you know making it a a more pleasant environment to work in right right yeah I'd yeah. I'd not heard that uh tip of using walnut oil that's that's awesome,
1: yeah it has to be the artist grade walnut oil, not the cooking walnut oil because they're processed differently but okay. um artist grade walnut oil is a great substitute for solvents
0: is it a um a, a thinner, more viscous material, or less viscous, I should say, than a cooking oil
1: it's uh, i I don't know that it's the viscosity that's different. Um, but I think that the painting oil is actually a more pure form mm. has been refined further, yeah. than than the cooking grade
0: that that would make sense so that you're you're not contaminating things
1: right right yeah for for preservation purposes
0: yeah well cool well that's a wonderful little bit of tidbit there um well, good. thank you for uh going back to to pull that one in
1: oh sure thank you for allowing me to
0: so our last question and i can't believe we're already to our last question this has been fun But the last question is what artists would you recommend our listeners go check out this could be somebody new that you just discovered it could be an old master that you go back to time and again, Um, you know who should we go check out.
1: Well, you know I had a really hard time trying to limit this question down to one. So i'll try
0: you can you can can do a couple.
1: Okay, i'll try to be quick about mentioning a couple so some of them are. um, Old masters, and some of them are who I would consider to be current masters. So the old masters, Joaquin Sorolla and John Singer Sargent, for the exact reasons that light inspires me to paint. They were masters at painting light. And they were able to do it in such a way that their brushstrokes are nice and loose and fresh. And you look at the painting... And it looks like they did not have the slightest struggle in throwing this beautiful masterpiece together. Um, And and a great example of that is a painting by Soroya that's titled, Mending the Sails. The, The white sails just all folded up amongst these people and how he was able to manipulate all of the different colors that are in white Mm -hmm. and make it look like that crumpled fabric is just breathtaking. Um, Today's contemporary to that, one of today's contemporaries, I would say, is Daniel Gerhardt. He is a um, current painter, and the light that he captures in his paintings is just phenomenal. And then uh, two local artists' names. One is Nicole White Kennedy, and the second one is Jean Grunewald. They are both nationally known artists and their work is really spectacular. And and Nicole does a lot of, she's inspired by light for, she does a lot of figures on the beach. And uh, so in that way, her work reminds me a lot of Soroya and his figures on the beach. Yeah. So those are my inspirations.
0: Well, excellent. One of the things I've enjoyed about the podcast is um I then it's sort of like getting a, a mini art history class because I talking to each artist it gives me any uh, direction to who to go check out and why so it is in some ways very selfish why I ask for this because <laughs> I never had any art history classes I was I was not a uh a fine art major by any stretch um uh, but I've always appreciated it uh, so this is uh it's been a a fun uh set of discussions and some of the names you've shared I I know the names so that that's uh telling me that I I'm I'm learning something
1: <laughs> well like like so many other things it's an ongoing process so
0: in, indeed indeed yeah it is. thank you again for your time today for those in the audience who are interested in checking out Beth's work you can probably start off at her website bbargerart.com that's b-b-a-r-g-e-r-a-r-t.com as well as Bbarger Art on Facebook and Instagram and in person you can see her work at Carolina Creations in New Bern and the Maddie Davis Art Gallery in Beaufort. So with that Beth I bid you adieu and say thank you very much once again.
1: Adios Chip and thank you very much I enjoyed our conversation.
0: This has been another episode of the Artist Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find links in the show notes to all the artists referenced here by Beth, as well as to her own work. Thank you once again, and tune in next time as we spotlight another contemporary artist. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at chipfroindphoto.com slash blog. And you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.